podcast devoted to amateur baseball. What a what a creative name. Actually, I love the name. I, I, I love name. the I love the name Amateur Hour. Um, I take no credit for it. Uh, Danny came up with it. She's Danny. I'm Darren. And, um, you know, hence the name amateur and sometimes an hour, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes 90 minutes. But this show focuses a little bit, maybe to a lot of it on catching. Harry Ford is one of the top catchers in the 2021 class. He's going to be drafted in the top three rounds. He's uh, a Georgia Tech committee homered in the perfect game All-American Classic. If you're aware of that game in a pandemic year, he homered in that game. He's used his pandemic year to get stronger, a lot stronger, uh, especially in his base and his core and his legs. And then Malcolm Moore is a catcher. He's the number one catcher in the 22 class. Maybe not a guy that's been in the travel ball circuit. West Coasters aren't always that much on the travel ball circuit, but he's been killing it. He's done some USA baseball. He's played at some other events. He's a great high school player in the Sacramento area. So Danny, we have one of the top catchers uh, in the 2021 class and the top catcher in the 2022 class, catchers, man. I'm excited about these two dudes. The theme for both of them is maybe obviously and not so obviously that they want to be involved in every single play. They have so much passion for the position and they want to lead their team in in vocally, uh, non-vocally communicating in so many different ways. Harry Ford, it has so many different layers to him. We talked about a book during the podcast. We don't get to do that often with these guys. He's, he's reading about the Mamba mentality. He, He wants to take his mental game to the next level. And Malcolm Moore has this incredible family that we get to learn about and find out how they've shaped him and how they help him become more driven. And I I hope that we get to see Malcolm Moore a little bit more in person uh, in the coming year, year and a half that that we have him before draft or school to Stanford. Stanford, which he is so excited about to be buried, as you called it, Darren, by the books and the athletics. Yeah, he's going to be in a class at some point and think to himself, what am I doing here? And then he's going to scratch and claw his way out of that hole and he's going to make that be. And um, it's going to be one of those situations that has nothing to do with baseball, but it's going to make him a better baseball player. I loved it was our first conversation with Malcolm. We know Harry very well. You know, we were able to be a lot more personal and deep with Harry, but I, I love getting to know Malcolm more. You guys will, will enjoy it, too. A couple of other elements on this show. Um, instead of scouts eyes where we go to all the PG scouts, you know, anywhere from three to six of them and have them open up their notebooks at a recent event, whether it's 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old or looking back in time. We just went to one scout because Greg Gerard. Um, for a long, long time, has been a very successful scout and a great writer. He got hired by Chicago Cubs. He is now a Cubs scout, a Cubs employee. And we're going to celebrate the guy who is actually has a PG profile as a player who <laughs> helped sign great players who got guys and their stories onto colleges. Like he's been a part of so many baseball stories. Now we, we're going to let him be the story. Gerard to the Cubs leaves perfect game. Excited for him. It's almost full circle in, in a really fun way. And he he seems super stoked about it. You could see it on his face. He was almost giddy. We caught him day or two after this all was announced. He spent seven plus years interning with PG, working his way up part-time, then full-time. And just to watch someone grow in that way and then watch their dreams come true. And then what was cool too, was watching all the love he got online from his colleagues, from people around the sport and just how much respect they have for him. I'm excited to run into him at events. I don't know if we'll be able to speak or not, but that is to be determined, (laughs) but he he's a, he's off for a really cool ride. And I'm excited for the kids who will have a chance to meet him and be scouted by him. My favorite get off my lawn rant on, on that whole thing is the, the level of privacy that is demanded of these organizations. Once <laughs> these guys put on a golf shirt with their logo and a hat, I have to giggle about it just a little bit. It's kind of silly guys, but I respect it, but it's kind of <laughs> silly. Anyway, it, it's very silly. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll take a slice of the pizza pie, as we always say, from Perfect Game College Baseball, the show that airs on Sirius XM, ESPNU, every Tuesday at 10 o'clock uh, Eastern, 10 o'clock Eastern. And, and the season opens February 19th. Like it's, it's about to open. So this is fun because Louisville is going to be great this year. They're great every single year. Their head coach is Dan McDonald. Hunter Pence is my co-host, that Hunter Pence. And so I always try and take a part of the conversation, Pence, McDonald, 
and the military kind of with with attendance to the Citadel and the focus of Dan McDonald and how he takes that forward as a coach while being able to touch the younger generation um, and how they try and do that baseball life balance thing. It's cool. Pence, McDonald, these are two guys that geek out on baseball and leadership. I think Dan McDonald might be upset about how you pronounce Louisville, but I'm going to give it to you because you're a West Coast kid. What did I say? Louisville? Yeah. 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 That's it's right. Louisville. Whatever. It's Louisville. And we're excited to hear from Dan McDonald. There's no doubt about that. I'm a really well-respected man and coach. Louisville. So, so the locals swallow like nine of the consonants in the word is what you're saying, which exactly. is correct. I mean, it is Louisville. It's more, it is in Kentucky. It's yeah. not uh, in Los Angeles. It's, uh, exactly. it's in Kentucky. So uh, it's great. Well, well, let's get it going. This is a great show. Um, it's unique. It's catching, it's scouting, it's coaching. It's what this show is. And it's what this podcast is every time. Boom, let's roll it. You can expect Harry Ford, who's a 21, who's out of Georgia, North Cobb High School, Georgia Tech commit to be drafted in the first couple of rounds next year. This is an elite catcher, so elite that he ran a 6.5060 as a catcher at PG National, and so elite that he pauses upon doing all that and thinks the world of his mom, Deborah, and understands that all of his blue-collar work ethic and stick to itness and determination, a lot of that comes from her. It's a great conversation with Harry Ford. Another week, another amazing guest, Harry Ford, dropping in on Amateur Hour. Harry Ford, you are such an impressive young man in so many different ways, and you're so multifaceted, and we got a chance to really spend some good time with you in 2020. Despite pandemic, despite what was going on, we got a chance to spend a lot of time with you. A couple of things that stuck out to me, first of all, the weight that you gained during that quote unquote, you know, off time that everybody got around that March, April time, um, putting 15 to 20 pounds of muscle on your body. And I may be understating that now, you'll let me know in a minute. But also then we see you at the All-American Classic and you go yard, you put on a show. And, and, and that is a highlight for me. Every time someone brings up your name, we, we talk about that home run and just you know getting to spend some quality time with you this year. So now that we've rounded the corner, we're in 2021. You have your high school season coming up. Just an update. Like, where are you? How are you? What's going on with your body right now? Um, I've been really good. I've, uh, over the last, like, really off season, I think I've gotten to know my body a lot more than, than I did before. And not just, like, knowing how far I can push it and how far I can, like, I can game, game muscle. But how I how to move certain parts of my body with like without like trying to force it and like knowing how to move my body to get the most power out of myself so I've really gone into a lot more just diving deep into knowing knowing myself and focusing on the little things you know and that's really helped a lot with baseball especially like I feel like my swing's a lot more cleaner and catching looks better so yeah I feel like I'm gonna come out and surprise more people yeah, and you and you do that. And I think that that is one of my favorite parts about your game is that you do continue to surprise people. And I think that um, not only that, but your your um, teammates and the, the guys who are in your class talk about you. Like, well, I, I know that I've had conversations. Oh my God, did you see Harry Ford? Like, did you see the muscle he put on? Like, did you see how, like what he's doing right now to get himself better? For you, knowing how important this year is, what, you know, what part of your game do you want people to continue to be talking about? What are you either working on or what are you most proud of that um, people will be talking about this season? Um, I want people to notice more of my, like, my leadership and my just mentality about the game, you know, because our team, like we have a very young team this year. We have, we have like three freshmen on varsity and two seniors. And so I know we're not winning nothing, no state championship or anything. So it's whatever, but I just want people to know because I know myself that people are going to know I'm a good baseball player and I, and I can hit, I can catch, I can do everything, but I want people to really see that I'm also a very good leader for a team. And I, I want to have that presence and have that, you know, that, like, that mama mentality, you know, and like, and just, and not even just get my, my, my body better, but my mind stronger. And so I'm just trying to do, do, uh, make, make people see that part too. 
Well, no disrespect for the late Kobe Bryant, but I don't know if it's the Mamba mentality or the Mama mentality you should have because you've got a strong mom. I mean, a cancer survivor. She's a she's an RN out there on the front line. Uh, again, you and I have had this conversation before, but many folks are brand new to you through this podcast. Uh, introduce us uh, to the woman who put the Mama mentality inside of you. That kind of toughness. Yeah, my mom. She's amazing. She's She's battled breast breast cancer twice, and while having cancer a second time, she had two full time two full time jobs day and night, and support supported our family when we really needed it because at the time my dad lost his job and it was just a rough time. And um, she's a, she's never been the one to give up, and she's always put that into me since I was young. That can't give up and that if I want something I really got to go get it myself because not many people besides my mom and my dad are going to help me to get there so that really it really hit me when like I kind of I kind of saw her just doing all that and going to school and just trying to like even though she had all these setbacks just still trying to make something better out of it you know and so like I just it just really made me realize that like you can't make excuses to where to, to set yourself back and to make it easier for yourself. Yeah, to quote Harry Ford from about a minute ago, if you want something bad, you've got to go and get it yourself. What do you want really badly? I want to be in the Hall of Fame, man. I mean, like, like I, I'm not even, like, I want to set my goals big because I I know I have the absolute, uh, absolute like, chance and, and probability of being a major league baseball player and making it to the big leagues and like I'm not even worried about that but like I want to be like the best to ever play like, I want I want people to be like like they want to try to try to swing like me and try my try my batting stance and stuff like that and I want to have a book one day too <laughs> nice a book written by you or a book written about you you want to co-author it nah, but like I just like I because I, I really like uh the whole like mentality and like and just like stuff like this like I have this book I've been reading it it's called it's called Relentless This and it's like like it has opened up my mind so much more to how like people like people like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, just like how they think and how their training correlates with that and why that puts them so much like head and shoulders above everyone else. And so I've just been trying to like emulate, emulate that and put that into my game too. I love this so much. I'm like, first of all, geeking out that you just like pulled a book over <laughs> what I'm reading. Uh, we don't often get to do that with you guys. And I also, the mental game is something that I feel like is so important. Like the physical side is, you know, obviously um, priority, but mm. everyone forgets that. Like if you don't have that mental side too, I feel like- you can't sustain, especially in baseball, the way, you know, the baseball is set up um, and, and how everybody talks about, you know, if you go three out of 10, you're considered a success. Like that's considered, yeah. um, you know, hall of fame numbers right there, but you're failing seven more times. So when you are consuming this and when you're watching Kobe videos and, and MJ videos and Wade videos, whoever you're watching, what do you then do with it? Because you can soak it in all you want, but what, how do you take that into practice? Um, once you've consumed all that knowledge um i kind of what i kind of do is i try to put it all into practice like during practice because i know for example for me i know when i'm hitting off a tee like there's no reason to where i can't put i can't hit the ball in the same place every time you know and why why i can't get backspin every time so I, i expect that out of myself when i'm at like practice and when it's like, it's not nothing, nothing special, nothing big. So I put that in place and in the game, I've kind of, I've really learned to sort of accept, not, not accept failure, but accept that I can't be perfect every time. And accept that sometimes, you know, you just get beat by people and that they just win against you. And so it's really, it's really helped a lot by me getting that mentality more in practice and it just, naturally goes into the game because I can't I feel like no matter what you try to tell yourself or what you're trying to do when you're up to bat facing someone like who throws not in the 90s and has like a great curve or something there's nothing you can tell yourself to like to prepare yourself if you haven't done it before you know yes and so 
Yeah, I love it. I love this so much. Do you have conversations with your teammates about this? Is this kind of something you're you're like holding close to the vest or do you have a chance? Do they are they kind of like listening to you or is it a back and forth conversation? Yeah, like it, I'd say it's probably more like uh they listen and they ask questions to me because like I mean like I'm I'm not I'm not trying to be cocky or anything but like I know I'm big dog on my on my team there yeah I I know like I got my position there and so and they look up to me and so I just I really try to just pass down as much as I know to them like I give hitting lessons after practice to all of them and like I, I talk to them during practice and everything and so I, I don't I feel like it's just like a sin just if you figuring out all this stuff just to hold it to yourself you know great point. especially because like we have a couple of people on our team that's like they're not the biggest and they're not the like the most physical like you wouldn't think they're not good on paper but but they can really play and they're gonna be someone one day so yeah I definitely don't want to hold it in. Okay. and you've been around guys that have done that right you've You've been a part of the Breakthrough Series, Dream Series. You've been around Charles Johnson and, and Daryl Miller and, you know, guys that are catchers that play the position, that give back, that are African-American catchers that give back. Um, for you, you know, of course it's a sin to hold on to it. You've had good examples of people that show you, hey, listen, you know it, you learn it, you share it. That's it. Because it's natural to want to kind of protect our little acre of success Mm-hmm. What good is that? What good is that? You know, if it, it, I, I love that attitude. I think that's excellent. Explain to me how badly you want to stay behind the plate because I, you and I were kidding about it before we started recording this, that, wait, you play outfield too, you know? And, and so to me, when I see that, I, I think to myself, you know, he's a catcher, he's a catcher, he's a catcher. How bad do you want to stay behind the plate? Uh, catching's my thing. Like that just, I, it just fits my personality so well. I get, I love being in the, getting the ball every time. I love having that control and having having that leadership spot on my team, to where everyone looks at me and just. I feel like a catcher has so much, like emphasis and play on a game that, like, if you you once like you just can't have a good team if you don't have a good catcher, like and and there's only one and so I just it just it's just somewhere like a love for me and it's my it's been my passion since like I was like eight or ten something like that and I want I want to make it there and I, I but like for me I would be if I if like I didn't have a chance of making it to the pros catching and someone said I had it I would make it if I had to become an outfielder like of course I would probably take that chance but catching is that's that's all me yeah well you're not a fool I mean obviously we, you love the game <laughs> I, I understand that so that you kind of answered my question but I still want to kind of see that conversation part of it through you've had either 20 or 30 in-home virtual visits with teams there's no doubt you've had a ton right so when they ask you about that and they say hey just like I'm asking you I'm sure that they ask you about that right about the whole catching thing uh-huh and you tell them what? Hey, 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 Harry, I'm the I'm the blank team of the big leaguers. You want to stay behind the plate? And you answered my question. Um, what have those visits been like? How intrusive yet fun have they felt? They've they've been really really fun. It's it's a, sometimes it's a little uh, uh, not when I want to say stressful, but sometimes it's just hard to remember a lot of them. Sometimes I remember one time I accidentally booked two at the same time nice and i i didn't realize it till the next day and it's just like it, it's tough but like it's i love having that like being able to talk to all of them because it's just like dreams starting to turn into reality you know and when you have all these people all these major league teams you grow up watching wanting to know more about you it's it's amazing and yeah it's definitely helped with my uh interview interview confidence yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you about your Twitter, because obviously I check you out on Twitter. It's, uh, by the way, folks, it's at Ford underscore 13. You know, I, I, I scroll down on your timeline, you know, in research for this, and I see like 260, 280, 300, 310. Mm-hmm. Like you're throwing up major weight, man. I, I, explain, explain what I'm seeing as a 50-year-old, long time ago professional athlete. Explain to me what I'm seeing with this 
this amazing progression in weight. And it's basically, again, you getting your legs stronger and stronger, right? Um, a lot of it is, is like more trust than anything, especially for me when it comes to hand clean. Like, I feel like I don't, like, I don't know if I could, I don't think I know I couldn't have done it, but before it's like, you just got to trust. It's more of me trusting myself to get down there and trusting myself and knowing that I can do it and to being able to do that. But also it's like me just going up and wait every, every week and doing it as often as I can. And and it helps because I remember literally a, a few weeks before before uh, I'm, I hit 310 on hand clean, I tried 295 and I fell back and the weight fell on me and I got a video, I looked so stupid. And then I did 310 and it, it was like, it was easy. So it was just, I've, I've been working out every every day for the last like four months, you know? Days off. That's definitely uh, Mamba, right there. You are truly following in the footsteps. I love it, and and keep doing it. Like I think that if you can figure out the mental part and and how to kind of like uh, help your brain and teach your brain those things as much as you're teaching your arms and your hands muscle memory, I feel like you're unstoppable at that point. So that's awesome, dude. And and I know that it's been a treat for Darren and I to watch you grow in, in this, um, you know, in this space. And, and I, I'm excited to see what's next for you. So thanks for sharing some time with us. Of course. Thank you so much. Greg Gerard was the national scouting coordinator for Perfect Game for about seven years. He's now the area scout for the Chicago Cubs. Dream job. But what makes Greg great is the way that he has always treated people. The athletes, their families, the coaches, the scouts of which he is one now at the professional level. But remember what makes Greg fun. He's got a profile page. PG 2013 Bremen High School. East Cobb Saints playing at the East Cobb Complex. He's that young. Went to Reinhardt University. We celebrate him. Off to the Chicago Cubs and simply put, now everything goes under lock and key and we'll never talk to him again. Your moment, Greg. Take it. So for our scout size segments this week, no notebooks being opened up. Let's do something different. Let's celebrate a scout. Although we always celebrate their work when, we, when they share what they've seen. Let's celebrate one of our favorites on this segment who no longer will be contributing. As a matter of fact, Greg Gerard, who was the national scouting coordinator for Perfect Game up until just a couple of days ago, is now an area scout for the Chicago Cubs. Hey, Greg, congratulations. We're going to dedicate our scout's eyes to you this week because now your eyes are affiliated with the major league organization. Um, for you, how excited are you? How much does this mean? Um, you worked so hard for so many years since May of 14 with Perfect Game to be tied with, a, with an organization like the Cubs. Oh, I'm thrilled. Um, ever since I started with Perfect Game, um, I was an intern for Vinny Serino. Prior to that, I was working for Kenny Gardner as a, a field scout doing Game Changer at the time, which is now Diamond Cast. Um, and ever since I did that internship with Vinny summer of 2017, I just fell in love with the whole idea of scouting. Um, and I knew Perfect Game was a great foot in the door living 20 minutes away from the complex we use. Um, it really helped the location I lived in and I just worked my way up. Uh, uh, I mean, words can't really describe how happy I am about it. Um, but yeah, I, I got my first day in the door on February 1st and it's been full steam ahead ever since. So you're a cub. It's so cool. It's so cool. And what I think is cool about your perfect game history is that you're one of those employees of perfect game or former employees who watched so many players play. And I want to ask you about maybe a favorite class that you saw, but you watch so many players play, yet you are in the perfect game database as a player. That's one of my favorite parts about you. <laughs> None of us can say that. We're all too old. You are the guy who's class of 2013, East Cobb Saints, East Cobb Comp. You played in that East Cobb Complex. Now it's been revamped and you scouted there. How much fun has this journey been? Do you remember being a PG event guy with your profile page? Oh, yeah. I went back when I thought I was a hitter. <laughs> uh, my profile picture, I'm pretty sure, is still me swinging a bat, um, <laughs> which is bad. <laughs> but, uh, no, I was a college pitcher. Realized that after the fact um, of high school ball. But, oh, yeah, I, I definitely remember playing in PG events. Um, 
scouts packing the stands. I wasn't very good, but <laughs> there, whenever you were at East Cobb, you felt like, man, this is just where everybody gets noticed um, with the scouts in the stands. Um, whether you're going up against the East Cobb Astros or uh, whoever, whatever travel team is um, so good with the best players in the area, just it was just an awesome time playing in those tournaments. Uh, I never did attend a showcase, but uh, those showcases as well, like, I mean, the, the big ones, you know, PG National, Junior National, uh, All-American games, just just outstanding talent at all of those. And Scouts Pack stands for a reason because there's outstanding players there. Greg, I want to know, is there a player that you've seen in the seven-plus years at PG who – changed the way you think about scouting or taught you something that you thought you already knew or changed your perspective? Who was it? What happened? Can you tell me? Jordan Adele. <laughs> that was a pretty, uh, pretty easy one there. Uh, the first year, I, well, actually, it was maybe the third year I did Game Changer. Um, I was at a field and he was playing for the Canes and I saw him go opposite field over the right field wall. And I was like, man, because the field was not small. It wasn't a small <laughs> field. There, there were a bunch of pro guys at the time. I thought they were pro guys. I didn't really know who they were, mm -hmm. but it turned out to be scouting directors, agents, all sorts of guys, big time guys. Um, they were watching him specifically. And ever since that one swing, I saw, I mean, that game, he went two for three with a double to the gap and then a, the home run that I mentioned. So I was just like, man. And then I got to see another game of his later in the tournament. And now he's, you know, about to share the outfield with Mike Trout. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredible person. And you've seen so many different guys from a like super technical detailed standpoint. I, I find scouting so interesting. There's so many different layers to it as you've risen up through the ranks and, and learned from some really great people along the way. Um, what made you fall in love with being on the other side of the fences? That's a good question. Um, I don't really know if there's a specific thing um, that set it up for me to love it. Like I do. Mm -hmm. um, I've always loved the game. I mean, ever since I was, can remember two or three years old going to Braves games as a kid, what idolizing Chipper Jones. Um, just, and then after the, being able to play um, past high school into college and then stay in the game working right out of college, um, it's just been everything I've really wanted to do. Um, so just that whole aspect is about how I would answer that. I, I wouldn't say there is one thing that, um, made me realize, oh, scouting is what I want to do. Yeah. How much is how much has it helped you to write as much as you do? I, I tell you, the one thing that you guys and now you're a former PG scout do better than anyone, and I'm sure it made you appealing to the Cubs. I don't want to speak on their behalf, but the way you guys write, the in-depth coverage that you provide, that you can write on the fly, that you can see, you know, at a main event showcase where there's a thousand kids, and somewhat thereafter, they all have a write-up. And it's a fair write-up and it's an accurate write-up. How much do you think your writing and extensive writing has helped you through the last couple of years to become a candidate like you were for the Cubs? Well, my words per minute from when I started at Perfect Game to now on typing on a keyboard is just, it had to have tripled. <laughs> but um, I think uh, just that whole aspect of seeing so much baseball. I mean, we had hundreds of events that we covered with perfect game tournaments showcases um and like you said at showcases those reports get done um i mean those helped tremendously with where i am now um getting to look at our in our database at every aspect of um what the player did at a certain showcase looking back on his profile and the articles stats um events everything um to see what kind of player this kid is and being able to write a report out of that so congratulations man thank We're you so much you. yes thank you oh, that's how you do a scout size segment right there greg <laughs> gerard cubs cub scout greg gerard
Malcolm Moore, West Coast, Sacramento. Baseball out there. Not as much on the travel ball circuit, though that's changing. But what he has done has elevated himself to the number one catcher in the 22 class. His head coach, Dave Esker, thinks the world of him. You can't comment on a player until he's on campus. But let me just be clear that in our texting back and forth, um, you can't come up with higher words of praise than Dave Esker did when talking about catcher Malcolm Moore out of McClatchy High School, a left-handed hitter. He homered twice in Jupiter playing up this past year. Let's get to know Malcolm Moore. When you're talking catching, um, Harry Ford is great and Malcolm Moore is great. I'll, I'll see you, your Harry Ford, and I'll raise you a Malcolm Moore is what I'll do. One's a 21, one's a 22. One's a right-handed slugger. The other's a left-handed slugger. And uh, Malcolm hangs out with us now. Malcolm, when did you fall in love with the position? Because as I tell everyone we talked to, I was raised by a pitcher who recently passed, who was a Hall of Fame pitcher. And I pitched poorly in the minor leagues, but pitched in college as well. So I was raised to respect catchers. Have to, have to. So I'm always curious about when one finds the position, falls in love with it, and decides to stick with the position. When did that happen? How did it happen? Um, well, all throughout Little League, I liked catcher a little bit, but I didn't really play it in travel ball or anything. And then I was probably 11, and our coach, actually, he wasn't there for a tournament. So we had, like, a substitute coach, and he just said, like, you go catch. And that game, I, like, thought it was really fun. And I got a glove from the Little League. My dad, like, ran the – he was, like, kind of like the president of the Little League at the time. So I got catcher's gear from the Little League, and it was, like – wasn't the best, but it worked. It was like a Cooper mitt, and ever since then, it was really just like all the action. I just love doing that. Take that take that last part further, all the action. I mean, we all get that, right? But, you know, for those of us that know the game, we know what you're talking about. What do you mean when you say all the action? Be descriptive. Is it mental? Is it physical? Um, do you like that you're literally probably pour yourself into bed after catching a, a couple of games in a day? What part of all the action means the most? Be descriptive. Um, well, like all the other positions, you take time off in between pitches and you don't know when the ball is going to be coming to you. But when you're catching, you're really in control of the whole game and like the whole defense. And there's something about that that I really just like take pride in that and I'm all about it. I wanted to circle back. Darren, I liked how you, you brought up Harry Ford. So it's a, it's a catching, <laughs> we got a catching theme going on. And I'm sure that you're paying attention to the names of guys in your class, the names of guys in the class above you. Who are some of those people, whether or not they catch or you like their approach at the plate that you've, that you've got your eyes on um, the past couple of years as far as, hey, I, I want to be like that guy. I want to be better than that guy. Um, there's definitely guys, like, I don't really have certain names that I mm -hmm. would go after, but there's certain, definitely guys that, like, I see them, they might be, like, I see something about them online, and I think, like, dang, I'm better than that guy, like, I know that once I'm, like, in that position, like, I won't, like, lose that. Yeah, and what, I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, um, what does that take? Because like we listened to Harry talk about what it's taken him to get to this spot and you are rising through the ranks. Your name is popping up a lot more now. Um, and, and the numbers that you're putting up where you rank in your state, where you rank nationally. Um, I've got this pulled up California. You're the number one catcher. You're number two overall. You're the number one catcher nationally in the country in your class and number 12 overall in your class. So those numbers are impressive, but when it comes to, you know, really grinding it out and getting to be part of um, the elite in your class, what does that take? Um, it's just a lot of hard work and consistency is probably the most important thing. Like day in, day out, you see the guys that are ahead of you and you just like, you want to be better than them. Like you do everything in your power to work outwork them and do more than they do. Real quick, D, just to follow up, 
what are those things? Like, can you give me a specific, you talked about that weightlifting is important to you. Like, what are you doing that we don't get to see, right? The, the grind happens in the dark hours and, and that's really the, the dream, right? Um, so what are you doing that we don't get to see to achieve that? Um, working out five times a week. I, I really fell in love with just working out over the quarantine. That was one of the things that I really just found a passion in. And also getting in the backyard with my dad or whoever it may be and just working on catching the ball, receiving, and also hitting part of the game too every day. I, lo I loved your answer, by the way, Malcolm, earlier um, when you said, I, I don't, and this is just a thought I'm going to have. This is why this is more conversational than a true interview. I don't really have names, but I do notice when gentlemen get to a certain point, I tell myself, hey, I'm going to get past that certain point. I'm not going to let it happen to me. I know you know some names, and I love the fact that you're not saying them. I think it's wise of you. I think it's very wise of you because, look, I have the internet just like you do. I know you know names because <laughs> I cover all the kids, and that's very wise of you. Now, you can still be internally competitive, or you have your dear friends and your family that you can talk to about. My guess is um, the competitiveness in part comes from mom and dad. Your dad is Billy, very successful in real estate and in law. My goodness. And, and your mom and Tracy, a family therapist. Talk to me about the, the work ethic that your family, that your parents have while still balancing life. But tell me a little bit about Billy and Tracy as you've witnessed their work ethic and what that work ethic looks like. I mean, they're always sacrificing for me and my brother my whole life. They've always been doing their hardest in their jobs and also balancing me and him, two crazy siblings. Like it really, their work, my work ethic definitely comes from them. Like my mom works throughout the quarantine. She's been working like nine to five in our house every day. Like, and my dad's been running around looking at properties he can try to find. And while balancing us at home, it's really just amazing that they can do that. And my work ethic definitely comes from them. That's incredible. Well, here, here's an interesting reach. Sorry, it's the, it's the father of me. I have four daughters and they're just a little older than you up to a senior in college. So they're in that same age group. Having a mom who's a family therapist, I would imagine there are times you can lean on mom for life advice and even advice that you can take from mom with the mental side of things that'll help you as an athlete. I'm guessing, even if it's just a casual conversation that mom's experiences can help you a little bit as an athlete and, and as a leader of a team, fair or not? Definitely. Yeah, my mom kind of rubbed off on my brother a lot. So my brother kind of turned into this therapist for me as well because it was easier to talk to my brother. And having them both in my life just, it made me way mentally strong and just helped me out a lot. That's incredible. That, that's, that's really incredible. Just how the family dynamics work work, how you were able to grind it a little more because of the pandemic and the, and, and the things you've learned. Hey, real quick, you went to Jupiter. Uh, it was in Fort Myers. It was the Worldwood Bat Association World Championship. You played up a year. Um, you, you, you totally played well. You homered twice. I mean, the, the press on you was great. What was that event like? I mean, for you, you played USA. You, you were part of the 16 UNTDP. I always screw that up. But you were part of that great USA event. But what was that event like? The level of velocity, playing those guys, going to that event, playing for the Kane 17U prospect team. Um, give me some descriptions. If I wasn't there, what would you tell me about that event? Um, it was unreal. Like the team that we were playing with, at the, the Canes, every single guy on that team just pushed each other. And they're all a bunch of dudes. And also every single pitcher you're facing, every person on the other team, they're also dudes. So there's nothing more you can ask for, to be honest. And the atmosphere there is just not, not like anything else. Yeah, and you homer twice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's got to feel good, time. right? It felt good, yeah. Give, give me a description of one of them. Like, you know, I'm an old-fashioned play-by-play guy, so I did radio early in my career in the big leagues as a radio announcer. You don't have to give me a play-by-play -play call of it, but kind of describe one of those homers, the emotions of it, the feeling of it, not one, but two, but just give me one of them. Give me a description of one of them. Um, the second one I hit, it was at night, and 
I'd faced the guy, the pitcher had been pitching the whole game, and he had gotten me out earlier on a curveball. So my last at bat, I knew I wasn't going to get beat on the curveball. And I got into a deep count. Um, I think it was 2-2 or 3-2. And I'd fouled off a couple curveballs, seen a couple fastballs for the ball. And I was just looking for another curveball and holy at bat because I knew he wasn't going to get it by me. And he threw one right there and just happened to catch it. Nice. Just happened to catch it. Yeah, well, well played. Good humble brag by you. Yeah, go ahead, B. My, yeah, you know, I think what I, what I want to know is as we get to spend more time with you and learn more about you, what do we need to know about you? Uh, the kind of person you are, the kind of catcher you are, the kind of teammate you are, what do you bring to the table? Um, I really enjoy like making a relationship with my teammates and the pitcher especially. And I like to be out there and control the whole field. I feel like that's something that you can definitely do as a catcher. And that's probably one of the main reasons why I love being a catcher so much. It's just, you can, you're in control and that's just one of my favorite parts about it. Mm -hmm. And as far as your game goes, like how do you take your current game to the next level? What are you working on right now to get even better? Uh, right now I've been five days a week. We just, my dad helped build a, uh, like a batting cage facility and we have a, pitching machine in there. So five days a week, I've been getting in there, doing my catching stuff, whether that be receiving, blocking, or throwing. And also with that, I've been hitting in there or hitting at another place. And then five days a week, weightlifting and throwing at the park. And I've definitely seen some big changes. What are those? Can you, can you tell us like from, you know, maybe six months ago to today, something really specific that has improved? Um, definitely, I've been gaining weight and putting on muscle. I've probably put, like since quarantine started, I've probably put on 20 pounds of muscle. And I can definitely see that when I'm hitting or throwing. Like I can long toss farther. My exit velocities have been higher. And my overall strength has just been better. It's awesome. So Stanford's the, the, the gig, right? It's the dream school. It's the ultimate. Um, you know, Harvard's a great school, but Harvard doesn't have elite athletics, have very good athletics, but it's kind of Stanford and everybody else. So that's where you're committed to. That's a, that's a commitment beyond belief. I love Dave Esker. I get to call games for the Pac-12 network. I like Dave a lot. Um, why, why for you, Stanford? That just means more challenges. That just means more work. That, that just means more academics. Um, why, why Stanford? Why would you take it on? I can tell you what I think, but why Stanford for you? First of all, the coaches are just super nice. I love the coaches there. And when you compound that with the academics, the athletics, and the reputation that Stanford has, it was just a win-win in my case. Yeah, it has all that answer. good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it has all that good stuff. That's kind of the Chamber of Commerce answer, though, that's on the, the pamphlet, the pretty pamphlet. Win-win <laughs> and all the academics. I mean, was there a moment, I mean, you know, is there, is there something there? Is there, you know, the feel of the feeling of what is it sunken diamond? Is it the feel of that? Is it, um, you know, the, 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 the opportunity to be sitting in a classroom, totally buried, totally over your head academically at one point and having to dig out of it. Is it, is it something like that beyond the, the, the pretty pamphlet answer you gave me? Um, ever since I went to a game, one of my teammates, brothers actually played at Oregon state. We went to a game at Stanford and on like a day of a tournament. And ever since I've been there, I just knew that, that was the place that I wanted to play. And as soon as I got to know the coaches, it just made it even better. And also I take a lot of pride in my academics and obviously Stanford, the academics are just great. Awesome. Yeah, you're 4-3, dude. You're a 4-3 this last and, and uh, did you ACT or SAT yet? Uh, I haven't taken either yet. Yeah, I'm thinking you ACT. I'm going to go with 32. Is that what you're aspiring to get to? Sure. 30? 30? I don't know. 34? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what, 36 is perfect, right? I don't know. I think I so. Haven't, I haven't really yeah, I think it's... ACT. All right, more. You got to let more. When you get that number, when you take us, let us know what you have. Danny and I will have our own side bets. We won't tell you. <laughs> and it's just for entertainment. It's for entertainment purposes only. We can't actually wager, 
uh, on your ACT score. But no. I, I, I'm thrilled for you, man. I mean, you've, yeah. you've earned, I'm, I'm glad we got to know you. You're kind of a guy that's just done a handful of events, but you've done a lot of events outside of our world. So we wanted mm-hmm. to get to know who you were. And this is awesome. You got a great future. You don't need us to tell you that, but it's, it's great to get to know you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Every week, Tuesdays, to be specific, on SiriusXM's ESPNU, we air Perfect Game College Baseball. My co-host in his rookie journey as an analyst is Hunter Pence. He's not, a, he's not even a rookie anymore. As a matter of fact, he's going to get stolen from me. Pick a big network, and that's where he's going. I just pray that he won't forget about us after his short time in journalism and hosting. But he talked to Dan McDonald. And these two, Louisville and, of course, the preparation of Pence, who played at Texarkana College, and, uh, and did, you know, with regard to focus and dedication, amazing things through an, a career. These two get lost on subjects that mean the most to Hunter Pence. Discipline, getting in touch with your athlete, expectations, culture, away they go. Hunter Pence, Dan McDonald, Louisville baseball, the conversation. Wow, it's definitely uh, an interesting time, and, it, and it's, it's great that, you know, everyone's finding a way to make this work. February 19th is extremely exciting uh, for all of the baseball family. Uh, I got to say, Dan, it, it's an honor to get an opportunity to, to talk to you and ask questions. I'm in a constant pursuit of learning about this game and learning great leadership. And, you know, to say the least, you have, you know, under your helm from 2007 to 2020, the most wins in the nation. Uh, it's not a coincidence. That's incredible leadership. And I, I just want to start open with a little bit of, of just getting to hear some of your process. You know, that's a long window of, of, of tremendous success. Can you give us a little bit about, you know, your process and, and, and the years and then the seasons and, and creating such a winning atmosphere? Well, I, I say I say it often. You win in life with the right people. And so, you know, when you say my record, it's it's obviously so many people are involved. Uh, I'm blessed. I've had the same pitching coach, associate head coach, Roger Williams, on year 15 now. Arguably, I believe, the best pitching coach in the country. Uh, Brian Mundorf, our director of operations, who also coached here before I got here. He's been here 25 years. A lot of stability. Uh, we've had two recruiting coordinators. One, Chris Limonis, who did a great job for us for eight years, is now the head coach at Mississippi State. And Eric Snyder, you know, going on year seven, uh, I feel like I've had two of the best recruiting coordinators in the country, you know, along with other people that that have been great. So I think it starts with people, the right people. uh, And then you got to have a system and a belief and you got to be able to share that system and that belief with others and and get them on board. And ultimately, if if it's to help them succeed and get what they want, I think you have a good chance. Yeah, Dan, and 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 that um, I can attest to that. That when you have the right team and 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 when everyone buys in together and doing things for each other, um, man, that's that's powerful stuff. Um, one of the unique questions and one of the unique things I saw. Obviously, you went to the College World Series with Citadel as a player. You've been five times as a coach. I think that's amazing. But the thing that not only like so much College World Series, the thing that really hit me is that you got a master's in business administration. And as a student of like leadership and, and, and being a part of a team, even as a player, like trying to see how can we make this work? How can we be the best team we can? Because it's never like one player being your best self isn't going to make the best team. Or, uh, you know, I watched Boach. I watched great managers do this. They relied on the, the best ones always relied on their, their people. What did you take from business administration? And did, does that help in running such a, a smooth operation that you've done for so many years? Well, I got an undergraduate degree in mathematics, so I was always good with the numbers, and I thought that would help me in the business world. I didn't know I was going to go into coaching, and I should have. I have an older brother, Mike, who's been a a high school basketball coach for over 30 years, and I I should have known that growing up in that household, but I just wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to be successful, and so as I had an opportunity to coach and earn my master's degree – It was about group setting, group projects. Ultimately, I think when you're getting a master's degree, you're working with a lot of other people and you learn how to bring out the best in each other or help each other because ultimately we're we're all going to get the same grade on this project. And and so that helped me, you know, from an organization standpoint. Uh, But being at the Citadel, a military college was a great tool to when you're recruiting kids to a military school, boy, you have to connect. You have to build relationships. 
these kids have to trust you. And then I got the jump to Ole Miss. I spent six years with Mike Bianco. And coming from the Skip Bertman family, that was the system. And to me, it was the best of both worlds. Start at a military school, grind it out, coaching the SEC with a guy from the LSU, the Skip Bertman system. That prepared me, uh, as we like to say, to bring the franchise or the system to Louisville, and, and it's worked. I love catchers, so that's all. I mean, that's my close. I love catchers. They're very important. They don't think enough of themselves because of the nature of the position. Um, you get beat up the most. You pour yourself into bed after you've gotten done catching. Pitchers don't put in nearly the work, you know, in a game. No one else does. So anyway, I love catchers. I'll just leave that there. Isn't that what the kids say? I'll leave that there. Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to leave this here. So I have seen people compare catchers to therapists. And, and I say that only because Malcolm Moore tells us that his mom, Tracy, is a family therapist. So I find it ironic. And I say that catchers are like therapists because they're taking care of the whole team. They're, they're in tune with the whole field, every single position, all eight other guys on that field and what's going on. Um, and they're just taking care of business. They're there to listen. They're there to comfort. They know when their guy on the mound needs a little pat or just a little word of encouragement. So Malcolm Moore may be following in his mom's footsteps. Harry Ford, just so impressive. And um, his mother's story is, is um, inspiring. And Harry is inspiring. And Greg Girard, we are so proud of him and what he's been able to do. We won't be talking to him, like Darren said, but we'll we'll give him a smile from afar. Um, so, you know, this is a cool show. This is a great show. I think the catching position is, uh, dare I say, the hardest position on the field, the second hardest position. You know, everyone argues what they want, but we got some cool guys on this show and um, hopefully you learned a little bit more about them. Yeah, don't just put the big kid behind the plate anymore and bad news bears with the with the, the butterfinger in his back pocket. That's not the position for catchers. <laughs> they're, they're better athletes than you. They're more flexible than you. They think more than you. They see more than you. And you just aren't them. So those aren't, those, that's, that's it. The catchers are all better than you. And you just better come to grips with it. That's how I'm ending this one. I'm going to leave that there just to remind you that you need to always listen to this podcast. So I'm going to leave that there.